When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. The season is over, but the transfer talk is just beginning. Nottingham Forest already been linked with Tyler Adams and Connor Cody, among others. While a deal for Dean Henderson is close, we'll discuss that and the retained list and give out a few awards in the company of, first of all, Greg Mitchell. Greg, good evening. How are you? Good, yeah. I was... Uh... Well, I wish I was on the beach. Not even had time for that yet, have we? Can't believe we're back again. Yeah, we are the Burnley of podcasts, as you noted on Twitter. <laughs> That's a bit mental. They're back in already. <laughs> That's mad. But yeah, fair play to them and company. Second guest is Michael Temple. Temps, you okay? You're a bit disappointed you're not having three weeks in Ibiza, Matt, with all the footballers. I thought the scribes got this like mad enforced break as well before it all starts again. So yeah, good to see you still in the broom cupboard. Mykonos, <laughs> isn't it? I think. Spare room, not broom cupboard, yeah. Final guest, talking of holidays and looking well, is a very bronze-looking Mikey Clark. How are you, Mikey? I'm all right, yeah. It is a tan. It's not It's not dirt or strange lighting. <laughs> it's, it's a slight tan. I've got, yeah, I'm good, Matt. How are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. I didn't think it was dirt, by the way, <laughs> to make that clear. Right, uh, we'll start with transfers, then we'll get into uh, awards and highs and lows of the season to round us off. Um Thanks for selling out the live shows, first of all. I should mention that. Two live shows sold out back-to-back days this month, which is um, more than we ever imagined, especially the speed they sold out. So uh, very grateful for that and look forward to seeing as many of you there as possible. Do come and say hello. We're all very approachable, uh, apart from Temps. Uh, I promise. So <laughs> come and see us on the night. Right, we'll start with uh, Dean Henderson because it's the kind of the closest to being done and uh, an easy star for 10. Greg, I assume you're very happy with it. Any any reservations at all we could have done better, or is it the perfect solution? No, it's the perfect solution. He's part of the squad. Everyone said at the start last season, it's, um, you know, this new team, nobody knows each other. Even Cooper came out with it, saying it after we obviously survived. So having that player that's not only just played, but been injured, could have gone home, didn't, stayed with the squad, clearly wanted to be around him and hopefully wants to be here. So... Let's hope it's as far down the line as we keep reading it is, because you just never know with these things, dear. No, I mean, he certainly wants to, to come, as we knew for a while. There's obviously a slight um, delay, I guess, with David De Gea still hasn't signed a contract at United. But you get the feeling that I think it's right for Henderson to move on. And, you know, he's, he said his words a year ago, which probably ended his future at Old Trafford realistically. So what about the fee temps? I think 20 to 30 million has been mooted, which would put it kind of around the fees that Everton paid for Pickford and Arsenal paid for Ramsdale, respectively. Is it a fair deal? Yeah, somewhere between the two. I think Forrest would, would find great value at 20 million quid. Manchester United probably rightly value him at 30. You look at the fees that have been commanded for Ramsdale and, uh, and Pickford and the like. And Henderson is certainly in that bracket for me. So my read on it is 
um, done deal in the sense that player has said to his agent, get it done, this is my destination. There's always going to be some wrangling between clubs when, when cash is involved and he'll obviously do the, the best he can on personal terms. But as Greg said, great fit, um, banker, good character. And the fact that he's been so involved in the squad in a prolonged um, period of, uh, of injury demonstrates his commitment to us already. So, yeah, fully expect to have Dean Henderson starting game one next year. Um, unless you've got anything to add, Mikey, I think it probably covers it all. I'll probably throw a, a different name at you, but do come in on Henderson if there is anything you want to add. The uh, second, Yeah, only one thing, Matt, just quickly. It, when uh, Everton bought Pickford, I think it was, what, five, six years ago? If you look at the yeah. service that he's given Everton, that 30, 28 million quid or whatever it was seems like a bargain. And I, I'm pretty sure Ramsdale will probably stay at Arsenal for a similar length of time. So if we, if we do secure Henderson, what is he, 26? You've got to think that he'll be at Forest for the next five or six years. So if you break that down per year, I think it's a brilliant deal for Forest, and it's one that we should be looking to, to get done ASAP. Um, the second name that's been linked uh, predominantly with Forest is Tyler Adams. Um, you know, had a really good season at Leeds. I mean, I think he'd be a cracking signing. I feel like we need a defensive midfielder or an athletic midfielder who allows us to play a four or a three. So that fits the bill for me. Uh, Mikey, any thoughts on, on that, if he fits the bill for you? Yeah, he does. I think I've seen more of him for, for America than I have for Leeds, weirdly enough. It's probably because my, my mate's uh, American and, and watches him and sends me loads of videos. But he seems ideally suited. Sits in front of the back four. He's, he's the engine room of that team. Uh, if you watch America, he's, uh, he's brilliant. And I think if you look how we, we set up and how we play, um, you know, the, the debate rages around whether he's going to be here or not and, and what he gives to the team. But I think, for me, Adams is probably an upgrade on that. Um, a little bit younger, more athletic, very strong, very powerful. And having him just in front of the back four or back five would then release some of our more creative players in front of him. So I can fully understand why Forrest are looking at him. Leeds going down, we might be able to get a good deal done there. So he's the type of player and the type of profile uh, I think we should be looking at. You know, I think we spoke about you know rather than getting fifteen or twenty signings, let's just go for five or six quality ones, and you would certainly fit that bill. Yeah, I think there's a few things that I like about him. I saw a stat earlier that he only played twenty four Premier League games, but he was made the fourth most tackles in the league. I think Leeds, with him in the team, conceded like one point three goals a game without him. It was three. Obviously, there's other factors around that. They were on the slide, but I think yeah, you know that sounds good. And the other thing I like. There was an interview during the World Cup when he was captain in America and he spoke really well before that Iran game. And I think he's obviously got the character that Cooper looks for in a player. The only question, I suppose, Temps, is do we need another midfielder or not? Yeah, this is the tough bit of all of these debates. Like, As much as I like that player, his minutes are going to be at the expense of a Yatesy, maybe to a lesser extent. Danilo and Mangala. And that's, that's why it's going to be really tough if, if we are a team on the up and we're going to continue to achieve Greg Mitchell's league finishing positions, then these kind of, of, of decisions are going to have to be made on, on quite a regular basis. And I'm sure you'll mention you know, Connor Cody and one or two others in, in, a, in a few minutes' time. Every time we do this, great, it's an upgrade. But I'm emotionally attached to those players that I've mentioned there. And I'd hate to, for, for Yatesy to be considered a bench warmer because I, I consider him to be on this journey with Forrest and able to continue to, to grow into his role in that team and screen the back four in, in his way, which is a bit different to um, Tyler Adams. But yeah, clearly 
um, any kind of signing of, of that ilk is, is going to affect him. So, yeah, that's that's why it's it's tough, isn't it, for for Cooper for the recruitment team. Um, they're going to have to make decisions not just on who's going to come into this eleven, um, but who's going to make way to to give them the minutes. So, yeah, I don't want to uh, temper every name that you throw at us with that with that kind of of caveat, but. Um, I think we got towards the back end of that season with a, a central midfield three that we were all um, really comfortable with. Of course, you want to improve it. Of course, you want more people to come into this team. Um, but yeah, we have to be aware of what that means for, for some of the guys that we rate within the current squad. I think the plan is we'll do a full squad breakdown next week because people are going to say, you know, Shelby, Freuler, Kriate, and we'll get into those uh, in the days to come. Which of the three, this is a harsh question, Greg, which of the three will be most at risk for you if a new midfielder came in out of Mangala, Yates and Danilo? Oh, gosh. Um, I'll give well, you an eye. Does it depend well, on the player who comes yeah, in? Yeah, what I will say is the good thing is we can take the risk up until January, can't we? Is it the 25-man squads around that time or it was mm-hmm. this season? So we can see if it improves the squad and then whoever hasn't, you know, made the cut at that point, then this is such a cop-out answer, I'm sorry. But then then you make the decision. If I was to say here and now, Danilo's only going one way, he's going up, so you, you don't, you keep playing him. You know, Yatesy's just forest through and through, isn't he? And every time he's written off, he just improves and he improves. So for me, the most, the one in most danger, if one was to, it'd be Mangala. But he's by no means the one who's going to make way. One of them's going to have a superb start to the season and then all this conversation's out the window. Yeah, I think I've put the hard question to you. I should give an answer as well. I suppose probably Yates for me. But the thing about Yates is every time he's challenged, he kicks on and finds another level. And I think as we want the club to evolve, players like him are going to have to keep finding another step, like Joe Wall, like Ryan Yates. So the challenge is there for them to do that. I agree about Danilo. I think his ceiling is like top four level, isn't it? And with all due respect to Ryan Yates, it, it probably isn't. But we've seen how much he can develop over time. But then many of us said that he wasn't going to be Premier League Ryan Yates as well. So, you know, he's proven that already. I can't see why he can't keep proving his role. Those three might not be in danger. Like the, the depth and the, the resilience mm. that re- you require to maintain form in this league means it's perhaps the fringe players, the Froilers, the Coyates that are probably more at risk. You can keep four... Um, players happy with suspension, with 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 injury, with everything else. So yeah, hopefully this is um, r- raising the floor of the squad and making sure that when we do have uh, an injury, a reason why we can't pick our our gun eleven, that the the guys that come in are, are of that higher standard. So I hope it wouldn't affect either of those three to the extent that it might just nudge out a few fringe players um, who haven't quite hit the straps in the in the same manner. Yeah, it's a it's a squad game. It's you know there, there were times last season where and we debated it on here where you looked at our bench and thought we won't make all the subs today because there's just not the strength on it. So you know bringing somebody in like a, a Tyler Adams, especially when you're playing two games a week and it's a more in quote normal season this season because there's no World Cup sort of impinging halfway through. So you're going to play a lot of games before that January window. So you know it's all about having options, isn't it? And with our injury record, blimey, we could we could have a separate podcast on that. You know, who's not to say a Yatesy Mangala or someone else breaks down, and then you're going to be wishing you'd assigned someone like Tyler Adams, without a doubt. 
Yeah, very true. I mean, obviously, you know, Yates missed a good chunk of the season, as we saw. So, uh, obviously, the injury record dictated that practically everyone missed a chunk of the season. So, yeah, that's all very fair comment. The other name of interest today that broke, again, from the Daily Mail, uh, so we wait and see, you know, if any of these actually happen. Uh, Connor Cody, the Wolves defender who was on loan at Everton last year, they could have signed for 4.5 million. They didn't. I read that was because they thought they could get him cheaper. But then, obviously, he was out of favour under Sean Dyche. So, we don't know. The full story, I suppose the same question to you, Greg, do we need another centre-half or not? Well, yeah, we do. <laughs> because like we say, we want to push on, don't we? It's so hard and it's, you know, I'd have the same team that got us up last year and then you never know, we'd be in a right mess. But <laughs> if we want to improve, you've just got to keep doing it. And these players have got long careers, all these players that are with us at the minute, but you know, McKenna, long-term injury. He's really going to have to fight now pre-season to get back into that that starting eleven or that squad. And if we're looking at defenders, then, you know, it's it's players like him who... It's a good thing. Competition's a good thing. He's going to have an incredible pre-season and be ready and fighting for that place that he, he deserves. And he missed out so much on, you know, at the end of last season. So I'd sign him all at the minute <laughs> for that kind of quality. You know, I don't want 20 players, but... If we're talking five or six players of, of these type of people that we're talking about, you sign them because most of our players now have a price on them. You know, if we do have to sell one of those defenders, all right, maybe Cook's probably not got many years left just because of his age, but he's still a quality player. But if we are going to sign these kind of players, we, we will move some on and we'll sell them or we'll get them in. You know, other lower prem clubs or champ clubs or something. So I think uh, I am a bit attached to this squad, like I was last year's squad. But I don't think a lot about last year's now. So let's see what we're like this time next year. What do you think about Cody Temps? Obviously, an, an England international, been in two tournament squads, brilliant in a back three, playing in the middle, and obviously a really strong character. I think that's going to be a theme of the players for a sign. Southgate obviously loves him. I'm sure Cooper would. But then he couldn't get in the Wolves team. He couldn't get in the Everton team. Maybe his best years have passed him. He'd probably have a point to prove. But what do you think about him as a player? Really like him. 30-year-old with with 10 caps. I was actually surprised that he left Wolves. I, I don't think he did too much wrong there. Sometimes a manager doesn't fancy you. I'd flip it again and say, do we need to prioritise recruitment at centre-half where Niacate, Felipe, Bolly, Worrell have hit their straps um, now we're certainly particularly strong in the final few weeks of the season. Again, does that ease out a McKenna? Um, Cook wasn't in the 25, but is, is this another means of of raising the floor of the squad and making sure that when changes are needed, we've we've got the depth there? Um, I've seen quite a bit of his content. He was really good at the the major tournament behind the scenes. Came across as a good fella, good team man. Um, so so yeah, I'd I'd be happy to see Connor Cody come through the door. Experience at this level, inherently le- less risk in signing an English player that's been playing in the English Premier League. Um, so I can I entirely see the logic of it. My hunch is, with names like Tyler Adams and Connor Cody, it's silly season in journalistic terms. And every time they can see that the, the formula or the situation for an individual um, isn't particularly hot at their own club, it's very easy column inches to suggest where they might go. You'll, you'll see all manner of names of this ilk who have fallen out of favour elsewhere, being linked with another club, often with you know nothing more to it than a, a journalistic hunch or putting two, two, two and two together where someone's got a peg and someone's got a, got a hole. So I think there's an element of silly season. Everybody that's employed 
writing match previews and match reports now has to be a, a breaker of transfer news to, to get those clicks and followers. And I, I just can't help but feel that there'll be a long, long, long list of players that will be linked for in the, in the weeks of he- ahead before that late window pressure um, leads to deals being closed. So I'm not reading too much into, um, in these, into these kinds of names at, at this stage. I suppose Forrest are the perfect fodder for that as well, aren't they? Because of all the signings last year, if you're a busy agent who wants to get a player's name out there in that mid-bracket, you know, the, anywhere in the bottom half of the Premier League, Forrest are the club you're going to throw the, you know, the attachment to, so it does make sense. Mikey, one point about the centre-halves in general of interest is uh, Warrell, McKenna, Cook, Felipe and Bolly, I think, are all out of contracts in 12 months' time, which is an issue because we saw with Leicester carrying out a contract players is a recipe for disaster. So regardless, either you sign new players or you give existing players new contracts or sell them, it's going to be an area of movement this summer, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I, I was not along with what Temps was saying there. I think you just have to be a little bit cautious because there will be a lot of names that are thrown out. Most of them, like I said, it will just be agent talk and, and, and trying to get you know interesting players. But I think... Centre-back really intrigues me because of how flexible we were in the second half of the season in particular. So we we flicked between a back three and a back four, sometimes during games. So bringing in somebody like Connor Cody, who I appreciate what you're saying, Matt, been in the last couple of England squads, but he's very good in a three. You know, we lost his place at Everton when they went to a four. They brought in Michael Keane and immediately became better. If you look at records, almost twice as so I'm not sure about the 4.5 million seems really cheap and worrying. For some reason, it, it gets alarm bells in my head. But I do think that centre-back is, is very much an area where you'll get a bit of movement this summer. Basically, on what you said, Matt, I think I'd expect Joe Worrell to be, to be offered a new deal and hopefully to sign one. I'm not so sure about the rest. So Scott McKenna, obviously, had his injuries. Uh, Felipe can play at any level as far as I'm concerned he's been absolutely phenomenal when he came in and was almost a difference maker for us certainly in, in the back half of the pitch uh Willie Bolly of course there's been a few rumors about him so I, I do expect a few people to come in at center back but maybe during the back half of next season maybe not at the start because like like Tense was saying you know we seem to have hit on a, a a bit of a system and a shape there with the three all the four, and you get Niakate, Felipe and Worrell that can all be flexible throughout that. So, like I said, number one for me, get Joe Worrell tied down, look at other areas, and then maybe as the season goes on, think about what we're going to do like sort of going forward in that position. But Connor Cody, not one for me, I'll be honest with you. I don't think you guys agree with me, but it's not one I'd be looking at. I think um, one of the names I wanted to talk about quickly that's been linked I like Temp says it is silly season, but the name that really interested me was Callum Hudson Odoi, who Steve Cooper knows from Chelsea, uh, from England. Obviously, a Chelsea player who's been out on loan had a bit of a rough time of it, but when he did play for Chelsea, when they had that embargo, he looked good. Would that, is that an interesting one, Greg? Twenty-two years old, I'd probably come at a decent price amongst the the Chelsea clear out that's coming. Yeah, I was just smiling because, uh, yeah. I heard he was at the cricket the other day, didn't attempts and uh, denied that one. <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's another player. He's a Steve Cooper man, isn't he? And every time a player that seems to be a Steve Cooper fit is mentioned, it fills me with a little bit more calmness that we're not going to go ultimate silly season. <laughs> and, you know, we're giving 
Cooper what he wants for giving him these kind of guys. Going back to what you were saying about Adams with his his interview after that America game, we, we've always said it seems with this. You know, the chairman said it a couple of times, and Cooper obviously thinks it that it's as much how they are off the field as they are on. So it's another one. I think I'm going to be saying yes to every name you mentioned tonight, unfortunately. But yeah, I'd be all for it. It's from a quality squad, a quality setup. You know, not had the chances as much, but it'd, it'd be great for us and we could get the best out of him, which has been proven many times. Morgan Gibbs White wasn't good enough for the Premier League, according to every single Wolves fan I spoke to. So it could be another one that we changed the path of his career. Is that the kind of age and type of profile temps that you would like to see? Gordon in the comments mentions Reese Nelson, that kind of 23 to 26 year old player of of potential who isn't in the you know the top six side for a reason because the depth of the squad's there, but maybe we could polish up amongst our hopefully five or six really good signings this summer. There's a there's a photo on the wires of Steve Cooper hugging every single Englishman that's come through that 1719s <laughs> group, right? So there's instant credibility lent to these stories when you see Cooper in an embrace with Hudson Adoy. That same photo exists with Gibbs White, that same photo exists with Phil Foden, Rian Brewster, whoever. So so yes, I think there is a bit of a stretch made when a player in any of Steve Cooper's age group squads um becomes becomes available. What I would say is that those having a clear out from a, a top six squad. And whenever we think about Chelsea's performance last year, the cash, the finance, the setup that established that squad, that's where they expect to be. That's, that's the kind of business they expect to be doing. They will make a lot of mistakes and have a clear out. And if that rumoured fee of 10 to 15 million quoted is true, I'd jump all over Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think he's great value at that point. I don't think he's had his best years yet. He's certainly never been anywhere near a Premier League squad where he expects to start every week. And as, as Greg said, with that kind of arm around the shoulder um, manner that Steve Cooper has, the way he gets the best out of um, young players, I think it would be potentially a very, very good fit. I'm not saying it's a credible rumour. I don't think there's anything more in that than a, than a, than a leap at this stage. But I, I can see the sense in that one. And I'd always be far more excited about signing a high prospect Englishman of age, you know, 21, 22, 23, than someone like Cody, who's done the rounds and he's just looking for a club. Hudson Doyle's got a point to prove. He himself thinks he can, he should be in that kind of company we've mentioned before. It's a signing that I definitely welcome. Yeah. I mean, this player's a little bit older, but also Ruben Loftus Cheek from Chelsea, I think, would be a great signing as a an athletic midfield player. I mean, just going around the room, Mikey, starting with you, two questions in one. Firstly, how many signings do we need and what area do we most need to strengthen? You can't say goalie or left back because they're a bit too obvious. Uh, we need 30 so we can keep singing that song, obviously. <laughs> um, no, realistically, probably need, I would say... Six to eight, quality, quality signings. You know, just going back to Hudson-Odoi there quickly, you have to remember as well, you know, with, with Jesse Lingard leaving, Dennis probably going, I would have thought. There's a void on those wings cutting in, those inside four positions. And also you've got to remember that Danilo, Williams and I think Brennan Johnson are all old enough to get registered now. So before they didn't count in the 25, did they? So now they do. So we have to be really, really careful about stockpiling players. <laughs> I know we've done it in the past, but now we, we, we just can't do it. And now's the time to look for absolute quality 
rather than quantity. So I think in answer to your question, Matt, I would say six to eight, maybe 10, depending on how many go out the door. Uh, what was the second part of the question? I forgot. Which area of the pitch? Of course. So I mentioned the inside forward positions. So obviously a gap where uh, Lingard and Dennis and even Gibbs White operating off that left. Some competition for Brennan. Uh, I would say get the goalkeeper situation sorted. And then maybe somebody... Uh, create, either, either a powerhouse in midfield or somebody creative just to take the pressure off Gibbs White a little bit. Because when he's not playing and not in the team, we look a totally different outfit, let's be honest. You know, those couple of games that he missed, I don't think we did much. So just somebody, whether it's Danilo gets a bit of free space and we bring in somebody like a Tyler Adams and then you just free Danilo up. Um, I'm not sure. So inside forwards, goalkeeper and someone in the centre of the park. And I know people might say to striker and I might, we might talk about Chris Wood, but I haven't written him off just yet. So, yeah, they're the three for me. Um, come on to Chris Wood next week, I think. We'll do the whole squad next, <laughs> next week. Um, Greg, same question. Um, how many signings would you like to see at this stage? I don't know how many are going. And what area of the pitch needs most strengthening for you? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How many I'd like to see Mm. is, uh, I'd say six. I think we'll see double figures. I, I just think the history of what we do and how we do it. Already, we're going to see 10 signings. Uh, and I'd just like us to concentrate on players for away games. <laughs> you know, that, that, like you say, that big powerhouse in midfield or someone that can like, just hold it a bit further up the pitch at an away game, put pressure off the back five or what have you. Um, and always, you know, someone to protect Gibbs White as well, because, you know, he gets injured. Who's stepping up and making that critical? critical position there so I think a competition in that space as well uh, yeah simple one for me Thanks. hardest job first how are we going to offload the players that are of no use to us anymore and have lost considerable value if we can offload the players we want to offload you could easily see 12 plus signings here just out of necessity, if, if they bite on that, bite on that clear out. Um, I'll take Mikey on a little bit on Chris Wood. So I'm kind of, I'm basing this on the football I've seen from him. Not impactful enough. No, he came in a little bit cold, had that little run in the side. Um, for me, his, his best um, performance was um, off the bench when he, he made a, a 20, 25 minute impact sub and was far more physical, won his jewels and looked a little bit more mobile, scored goal of the season, but that was for the 19 passes before it rather than the finish at the back stick. So I, I would say I'm prioritising a, a left back and a number nine left back because I think the Lodi deal looks pretty tough at this moment in time. And there's a bit of chat um, ongoing about Forrest trying to find an agreement. I think he'll have uh, other options and the, the weakness, the relative weakness that we saw uh, during those periods that Taiwo was absent, suggests to me that that should be um, an, an absolute priority. So, yeah, nine and three is what I'd be doing the, um, the heavy lifting on at this stage. I think, on reflection, I probably misworded the question because it probably should have been net spend, really. 
because we like tempsters. We don't know how many we're going to get out. We don't know what FFP. So maybe if we spend another 50 million or something, that's still a big ask of the owner. Net spend, Double. because obviously Dean Henson's going to cost 25 for argument's sake. So like Temp says, the kind of level of business we can do shipping players out is, is essential. Uh, I would agree with Greg. Uh, a powerful central midfielder or a, you know, a Tyler Adams type who can anchor a midfield and let us dictate play to some degree is going to be important because we can't realistically have 20% possession next season, much as we loved it and laughed at it a little bit as it worked. But I think we do need to raise that by 10%. People saying Scarpa in the comments will discuss him more next season. Just quickly, I'll throw this one to Mikey. What have you made of Scarpa? We'll talk about him more next week, so I'll get the other lads on him. But everyone wants to talk about him. For me, uh, people, you know, he's been a bit up and down for me. I started really well, but then he, he faded understandably after maybe the adrenaline wore off. I don't know. But what do you think about him? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I've not really seen that much of him because, it, like I said, he, he started really well, came with a big reputation. He was Brazil's player of the season one season, wasn't he? So he's obviously got quality on the ball. And I remember his first couple of games and some of the passes that he did, 50 odd pass out, 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 out uh, wide right. And I thought, Blimey, we've got got a bit, bit of a player here. And against then he sort Blackpool, of, um, it was against Blackpool, yeah. <laughs> and then he sort of um, disappeared a little bit, and it, it did coincide with a few players coming back from injury, and he sort of slipped down the pecking order. I know he picked up a few injuries himself, so I'm not really usually one for sitting on the fence, but I don't know whether I've really seen enough of him to know. First off, his best position. So you know, with, does he play in behind the front man? Is he? picking the ball off the centre-backs and pinging it 50 yards? Is he one to, you know, um, just sort of try and dictate a central midfield against some of the weaker opposition at home? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what he gives you, but that, that's not to say that he can't be useful. I personally would just like to see a little bit more of him in the setup that we choose to have next season. So whether it's a back four, back five, where can he impact the game? Maybe it is as a substitute. Maybe it's somebody to come on and, and, and try and do something a bit different. But I think he'll be part of the squad. I just don't necessarily see him starting unless he rips up pre-season, which is, pre again, pre-season is going to be really big for some of these players. Scarpa's absolutely one of them. And I, I, I still go, I'm, I'm not writing Chris Wood off yet. You know, if he has a good pre-season, proves his worth. I don't think he'll start the season because they'll play tie all for him. But he's one that, you know, he's been around the league. He's seen it. He's done it. He's got the T-shirt. So, you know, he's not 36, 37. He's early 30s. He's a big lad. Um, he'd not played any football at Newcastle. So, you know, he came in a bit cold. He looked it and, you know, he played left wing off the time. So, not writing Chris Wood off, not writing Scarper off. But to go to your question, Matt, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know where he fits in the side, but that's probably because I've not really seen enough of him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we need to see more of him to judge. He's obviously a very talented, very good footballer. It's just where would you fit him in in that? A one year Johnson Gibbs White shake up. He's realistically got to take one of their places. So yeah, he looked really good at Southampton, I thought, when he came on. But then was it Fulham away and maybe Leeds or something on my head? He I think he struggled in those games. I think he needs pre-season uh just for us to see more of him. So for those who are saying he's the answer, I don't know how you could say that definitively. And for those who are saying he's not the answer, we probably can't say that either. We just have to give the give the lad a chance. Right, a uh, quick other one before we go on to awards. Brennan Johnson linked with Everton and West Ham for 40 million quid. Everyone's shaking their head and laughing at it. Uh, I, I mean, Everton makes no sense to me. West Ham, uh, you know, we're going to have money because Declan Rice is, is going to go. 
but I can't see it. Let me put a devil's advocate case to you, Greg. You sell him for 60 million quid and you've got a lot of money to rebuild a squad. You're still definitely saying no to that. A thousand percent no. His ceiling is God knows how. He's one of the quickest players. He's he's found his feet so well. Uh, yeah, West Ham might be in Europe if they win tomorrow night, but they're not a team for him. I could understand it if like a, a, an established top six side was thinking, and you think, you know what, he might not get this chance again, but not West Ham. West Ham could be in a relegation battle next year with you know with. Um, Europe again, so no, I'd, I'd, I'd hope he'd be advised to stay well away from that one. And like Temp said, it's just lazy talk, isn't it? Who can we talk about an exciting young British player? It's just it ticks the boxes for a, a nice little rumour that we all get wound up about, and I am doing. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Temp's, I don't understand why he would, I understand why he would go in a year or two if it's to a top six club for 80 million quid and he scored let's hope, 12 goals in the Premier League for us next season. But at this stage of his development, it, it makes no sense, does it, to move? Well, I'll say there's no chance Brennan Johnson leaves in this next transfer window. He's made the step from League One to Championship to Premier League in successive years. I think it was 13 goal involvements, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, between his goals and, and, and assists. But yeah, like Greg said, he's a weapon. He's quick. And that's the one thing nobody can defend against. Yes, we'd like to see him in games more. We'd like to find means of getting the ball to him more. But you watch Forrest's highlights, the, the, the big results we've had. Um, I'm going to mention them a couple of times when we come to the um, awards for, for good reason. He's come through the system. We've had to get to the Premier League to retain a player like this. There's, there's not a hope that we would um, sanction him leaving this window. So yeah, for me, nothing more than a, um, a bit of bit of paper talk. And Brennan Johnson will be at Forest for for this season and beyond. Yeah, Anthony Gordon just is the case in point for me. Thinking about it, he went to Newcastle for was it fifty million quid. Couldn't really get in their team. Looks to have gone backwards. I just don't think you go until you're a more fully developed player like Grealish going to Man City or something like that when it made sense and you were you were ready for that step up. So, yeah, I, I can't see why he would go and why Forrest would sell at this point. Right, uh, let's move on to some awards because uh, the clock's ticking and we'll do a full squad breakdown next week, like I said, and probably just have another round of rumours and names to, to throw at you the way it's going to go. Um, start with the obvious one, player of the season. I assume everyone's probably going to say the same name, but Mikey, start us off. Um, I'm going to say Gibbs White, obviously, um, but can I just shout out, and I said it earlier on, Felipe signing in January, I think was magnificent. It took a lot of people by surprise. Obviously, these these players that come in, I'd, I'd heard of him, but I'd never seen him play, but it was obvious within 10 minutes the quality that that guy has. So, whilst Gibbs White got the headlines, scored the goals, made the goals. Um, you know, where everyone knows what Gibbs White brings to the team. I just think defensively, once Felipe came to the club in the second half of the season, we were a million times better. And I'm sure the stats will back that up. So Gibbs White for me, second, very close, Felipe. Greg, anyone different for you? Are we, yeah, are we allowed like a list then? I like that. Uh, <laughs> I have tried to spread it out a bit because so many of them deserve a little bit. But I'll give it Jono because Jono has been involved in so many critical goals. I know Gibbs White has always been the one behind him, but 
them two together have changed the path of our season. Uh, and just just trying to find, you know, goal of the season and all that and just seeing how many great goals Johnson scored for his age, everything about him, his love for the club, everything I love as a, a fan in the terraces, as you'd say. I, I just love Brennan Johnson and he is absolutely proven he is a top Premier League player this season. So he's got it for me. Temps for you? It's Gibbs White for me, but he came up the rails. I think it took him a little while to... And become the focal point of the team to justify the price tag, the vision that Cooper uh, had in him. And also, to, to be fair, to, to put him in a position in the team and to give him the brief that, that played to his strengths, which wasn't um, drifting left. It was in that hole, in the in the 10 spot, getting on the ball early in the early in these um, uh, the, the, the counters and being that creative fulcrum. It got better and better and better um, in the game which turned our season, the, the, the Brighton game, right? The, the 3-1. I think he was truly exceptional in that, in that fixture. Um, and I can now see why Cooper pursued him so hard. Didn't have it all his own way. Had to settle in. Brennan, for me, for pretty 60% of the season, was cruising towards uh, this award. But yeah, for me, player of the season is Morgan Gibbs-White. Yeah, same for me. Gibbs-White followed by Johnson followed by Felipe, which sort of leads us into the next one in terms of best signing. So if by default, it's really Morgan Gibbs-White if, if he's won your Player of the Year award. So you can't say Morgan Gibbs-White. Second best signing, I guess it would be. Temps? Well, I've gone Danilo because when he first arrived, he'd been touted, has he been mentioned around some big European clubs, but no one took the plunge. We made a tactical decision to grab him in January, um, a significant expense, probably anticipating that there would be uh, more of the established clubs with structures in place would look through their uh, big signings in the, in the summer window where there would have been more competition and we probably wouldn't have had a, a clean run at grabbing him. Uh, he, again, struggled to, to find his feet. Um, by all accounts, isn't the best with the language. Struggled to um, get a foothold on the instructions. And there was a couple of times when he was dragged where he seemed to tire and um, give the ball away, lose his positional focus. But then the back end of the season, we, we saw the, the true player emerge. We saw his confidence in front of goal. We saw his reading of play. We saw his athleticism, his running power. And yeah, he just, he just grew as the season evolved and became a player that I think we're all excited to see continue to develop, which I think he will. Far more to come from this player. Best signing for me, Danilo. Honourable mention to Felipe, who, despite a pretty horrendous losing run after coming into the side, um, is a true class act and I really hope plays a significant role next year. Danilo just pips him for me. Greg, anyone different for you? Well, I mean, I'll give John a player of the year, so I'll have Gibbs White every day of the week. <laughs> uh, you know, 45 million, 55 million add-ons up to whatever. It's been worth every single... Pr- penny because we're a Premier League team again and it's literally that player, if we hadn't assigned that player in the summer, I don't think we're in the Premier League now. He was that critical for us. Some of, some of the balls, some of the, you know, everything. Then he does things like he did against Arsenal, you know, getting that crowd going, doing the Stuart Pearce thing that we all love and he's just been everything I hoped for and a little bit more because if he stays fit, he's even better next season and he's 
getting in the England squad towards the end of next season if he continues the way he's going. Mikey, would you say anyone, anyone different to those two? Yeah, I would. So, obviously, we spoke about Felipe, but he was only here half a season. But, you know, what an impact he had. So, I'm going to go with... So, weighing up two. So, obviously, Taiwo, who we bought right at the start. I think he may have been our first signing. Look how crucial he was during the running. Um, but, obviously, he was, uh, he was out some of the season. So, I'm going to pick somebody that we got on a free who was magnificent. So, I'm going to go with Serge Aurier at right back. I think... Our Tottenham friend, Matt, warned us about Aurier, didn't he? Saying he was reckless. I think he warned us after 37 games. <laughs> I just haven't seen it. I think he's been absolutely wonderful. If somebody could name me a better free signing than him in recent years at Forest, please do in the comments because I'm struggling to think of one. He's been magnificent. So whether it's at right back or right wing back, on a free transfer... That's a hell of a business, and I'm really glad that he's uh, taken up the option to stay for another season. I would say um, short-term Felipe, because I thought he made a big difference in January. I don't think we'd have stayed up without him. Longer term, I, I would say Danilo, because of the investment, was relatively low. And if Forrest get it right and he gets it right, we should sell him for a shed load of money. Uh, and you know he can sell another two or three signings that help progress the club. He's just going to be a star, I think. He's better and different than I thought he was going to be. So I think that's a brilliant business. I know Forrest made so many signings, there were going to be some real misses there. Um, but he was a big hit. So talking of misses, I didn't have a worst signing, but I know the media are going to put it down as Lingard. So I just wanted to talk about Lingard quickly and just the general players who were released. Um, Temps, I'll come to you because you said something interesting that stuck with me about Lingard. When he was signed, you said, if it works, it was the right signing. And if it doesn't work, it was still a sensible signing because of the financial outlay wasn't that big. Do you, do you stick by that or was he a dud? Well, as it played out, he was a dud because he didn't impact the season enough. But then it's, it's torturing to watch because you see performances like Tottenham in the Cup. And they weren't ever so weak that day. You know, Harry Kane was playing. They had a decent side out. And Lingard was deservedly man of the match. He scored. His his touch was there for all to see. And it's a, a story for me of a, a, a loss of motivation at the back end of a career. I genuinely believe he had this self-belief at the start of our season. He was going to force his way into Gareth Southgate's plans. And the, the snippets that, you know, I've heard suggest that when it became apparent that he was no longer um, in that thought process, he was... Uh, no longer considered worthy of international selection. Um, his application, his standards just just fell 10% short of, of where they need to be. And you, you compare that to um, players like Gibbs, White and Brennan, who've kept themselves fit and available throughout the toils of a, a Premier League season. And you can see why he will be mooted by all of the, the, the commentators in the papers as a, as a flop at Forest. And I think that's the last contract he's ever going to have um, in the in the Premier League, I was excited as anybody when we signed him, because of what he was when he was at his best at Man United. Some of the goals and moments he's had for England, but most pointedly, what West Ham got out of him when they showed him love and made him a starter week after week after week. He never justified that with us. He never had a, a run of games, but I, I can't criticise the Forest staff in any way because they had other players in and around that position who were, were far hungrier and contributed far more. So just one of those didn't work out for anybody. I don't think Jesse Lingard's any more satisfied than Forrest were. One plus point, I'll say, 
by all accounts, a good squad man, decent around the training ground, uh, was, was helpful to, to younger players, spent a lot of time with them. Uh, but he, his stats would suggest that he's nothing more than a, a bit part player in our first season back in the Prem. Yeah, I'm quite sympathetic to him. Like you mentioned that Spurs game, they had a good team that night. He said Kane Benton Curl played, I saw, and they played a good side. And he played really well. And he got injured at the wrong time. And it became clear that there was a better combination of attacking players than Lingard. But I don't hold any grudges to him. He, he bought in and did his bit as off the field as much as he could. It was obvious by the end Cooper just didn't didn't trust him as an option to me when you you know you you bring RU on and sorry John ahead of him and just about anyone else. Did he get like five minutes of football in the last ten games? I think that this the writing was on the wall. It'd be interesting where, where he goes next actually. I think it's gonna be the MLS or Saudi or something like that. It's like Tam says or Turkey. The graveyard of Premier League footballers. It's it's not going to be this country, certainly. Uh, I'll throw a couple of other names from the retained list that Mikey and Greg individually. We've talked about Colback before. Um, Cafu, Greg, do you feel sorry yeah, for him? Well? He's Premier yeah, League well, ruined, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't feel sorry for him as such, but it, you know, he's a player that's going to live long in the memory because of his championship season. Like I said earlier, a lot of them. I'd have loved to have seen this season, but it's probably a good job they won't because he might may well have gone down. Uh, he, he'll not retire, will he? He's still got a few years in him and he'll get some good chances elsewhere. So good luck to him. It's a shame he hasn't had his Premier League dream yet, but you never know. One of these clubs that's just come up with not a lot of money might pick a player like him up. Stranger things have happened. True. Jeffrey United on three or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, Jordan Smith, obviously a very good servant. We'll always have that. Ipswich save and wish him well. And I think he needs to go to League One or something and be a number one now, really, for him. And Andre Ayew did what Cooper wanted, I think, really. I know fans panned him, but I think he was that voice in the dressing room that Lewis McGugan spoke about. He didn't do what we wanted on the pitch, but he's not one we're going to remember for a long time, so move on. Mikey. Who was the other player who was released from that list? I knew, I knew you were going to do this to me. Go on. What do you? What would you say about <clears> Lyle Taylor's time at Forest as your favourite player? Is it the? Uh, it's not the watershed yet, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think going back to some of the games where he did did impact. So you know, Bristol City away was it when he came on and scored the two goals? Um, now I'm struggling. So I think uh, it's probably best that we we sort of part ways with with Lionel, you know, wishing wishing the best of luck. I'm sure he'll go. Be interested to see where he goes actually, because you look at a team maybe like Luton that might fancy him, but I think realistically he's probably going to end up in the Championship. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. I was never I was never Lyle Taylor's biggest fan to be honest with you from the moment he signed because of the. The way he signed, you know, going on strike at Charlton. I can say it now because he's left. Going on strike at Charlton. You know, Temps talks a lot about um, getting the right characters in, don't you, don't you mate? Um, I'm, I'm not so sure. So I don't, it's not a big loss for me. But if you compare him to some, somebody like Cafu, that obviously was was very influential and he's, he, will, he will be remembered very, very fondly. So there's the uh, distinction between the two, Matt. So hopefully I've answered that in a... In a really nice way and uh, not swore or anything like that. But, um, yeah, good luck to Lyle is probably what I can say. It'll be interesting what his legacy is. Obviously, Bristol City is what we'll remember him for. Uh, but I don't I don't think he did much else for us. I'm trying to think. I mean, he takes a good penalty, but I don't think he scored too many goals from open play. So, you know, 
yeah, it's interesting what his what his legacy is. Lindsay says that's tame for you, Mikey, on Lyle Taylor, as we know what you might have said. It is, I'll ring her later and give her the proper answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the best goal of the season was the next one I'd written down. I mean, I'll, I'll go first because I know you're going to say um, Man City. Um, it was Man City, wasn't it? So I can't really. I was going to try and put a, a different case. There's one other goal which I'll come to, but it, you know, we were the last team to take a point off Man City in the Premier League. And it was the how that wasn't in the reckoning for goal of the season on match of the day it was just ridiculous, really. Uh, anyone I've gone else on that one, mate? Yeah, I've, I've, I've gone elsewhere on that. I've gone Brennan Go v Leeds. I just think that that finish on the volley, the way he checked back out of traffic to find that space. And it, it, it was, wasn't it? It was an impactful moment. It was it was plus two points from that from that action. So, yeah, I'll, I'll make a case for Brennan v Leeds. Does anyone else want I've, to make a case yeah. for any other goal? I'd got three there that weren't that one, actually, because I knew it was good. I, I'm saying Danilo v uh, Southampton because of Gibbs White. I've never seen a, you know, a setup of a goal like that before. It was incredible. And I genuinely think he meant it. And every time I see Danilo's celebration, I love it. So I was just watching that a few times on YouTube before coming on here. Uh, and then Johnson's, both of Johnson's goals against Leicester, just because it's hilarious to mention them every so often. Uh, I thought they were great. And, uh, you know, Gibbs White setting up on the outside of the boot like he did, I think, for the second one and just putting the game to bed and starting to make them worry what's going to happen. And it did. So, uh, yeah, I'm still saying Danilo against Southampton. Mikey, any different shouts? Only other... Why Brennan's like tense, but the only other one to shout out is um, Tywo's against West Ham, our first goal back in the Premier League. Yes, he shinned shinned it in, but we've been waiting 23 years for that. So I think that's worth shouting out. Yes, certainly is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, So the best moment of the season was one that um, I'll go first on that because it is that Danilo goal v Southampton. I watched it at home, unfortunately, but. Much, I love Colin Frey and his commentary, but if people watch it on Sky, Seb Hutchinson's commentary when Danilo scores, he goes, Danilo! And that kind of, it reflected the release of emotion because that game was so massive. I think that was the most nerve-wracking game of the season, even at home, like, just couldn't cope watching it. And I thought that was just the perfect commentary for that goal, and it was such a class goal. Um, so that was my personal moment of the season without being in the ground. Obviously, being in the ground is better, but uh, most of my games are watched at home because of the because of the work situation. So that was my moment of the season. Aside from obviously staying up, I think that's the easiest answer. Greg, it's an away game. It's just the the Palace experience. Just everything about it. If I'm if I'm going to think about this season in twenty years' time, it's going to be Palace away for me. Just the 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 build up to it the thoughts that it was going to be a quite a sad day potentially and just what happened the the week before and being able to just enjoy a game for the first time since Cooper's been at the club without any nerves, seeing the fans appreciate the players and the players like that. It was just like a, you know, a closing of the book for the last couple of years and really being able to celebrate it. So it's going to be, it's going to be my memory of the season. I'll say palace, palace away. Dipping into the comments, Pointy, um, that game was on Sky, so I was watching that perfectly legally, like all the other games I watched. Um, <laughs> someone says you've got a spider crawling up the wall behind you, the size of a tarantula. You might need to turn around just to inspect. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm getting spider comments and someone's caning me for the beer prices. At someone's caning me for the beer prices. Let me give you my best moments of the season instead as a little distraction from, from that. So yeah, I already done the, the Taiwo goal at Palace was just reward for the level, quality of support. Away support, fantastic throughout. I only managed four trips. Greg does far more than me. Um, but yeah, Palace is an experience that I forget. And a nice little personal one after the Arsenal game. In Bombay, Scotty McKenna was in there. He hadn't been involved in the game, but he was he was so happy that he brought around the 60 people in that in that restaurant at that time. So yeah, 60 60 Cobras on Scott McKenna was another moment that made me smile. But yeah, what a what a day, Palace on the road. Yeah, well done, Scott McKenna. Is five pound ninety a pint really expensive? I think that's what you pay these days, isn't it? I think it is about that in my local. So there you go. Uh, We've Talberto's in con- constant commenting on the beer price at Trembridge. Uh, you know, I, well, I think it's good value and it's always a great night at Trembridge. You just want a ticket. I've got a membership, <laughs> mate. Don't worry. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in anyway. Uh, my key moment of the season for you? Uh, so I've got I've got two and it's it's the two times I've been nervous this season. So one was obviously last five minutes against Arsenal because you knew it was one whistle away from staying up. Um, although I never really felt they were going to score, but obviously just because of the situation, you get nervous. But I'm going to choose when we beat Liverpool for, for numerous, numerous reasons. One, because we're on a terrible run, bottom of the league, live on BT. Um, I was at the ground, but I think all the country thought we were going to get beat. And then that injury time, if anybody ever watches that game back, the save from Dean Henderson in injury time is everything you need to know about that keeper and why we should buy in the season. So for me, the injury time, the way we saw out that game, the brilliant save from Henderson and the final whistle and the scenes of elation that, do you know what? We can be a top four team at home. They were in the Champions League final last season or season before. You know, we've just come up from the championship and we were bottom of the league and we turned them over. And I remember walking away from the ground thinking, you know, we're here now. This is it, you know, this is the start of the season. So that will live long in the memory for me. So I'll go for that one. Um, this isn't an award. It's not when you want to win. But the flip side of best moment is the worst or lowest moment of the season where things looked really bleak or, you know, the the rock bottom for you. Um, in fact, Mikey, you kick us off with that one if you noted anything, Dane. Yeah. I think most people are probably get for getting stuffed at Leicester and then obviously the ramifications that people thinking that Cooper might go. But... I'm going to go for that Man City defeat away, uh, 6-0. Now, choose my words here. I expected to lose the game, but I expected us to put up more of a fight there. And I saw things that game that I didn't like watching. And it was repeated when we went away to Man U, repeated when we lost five at Arsenal. So, you know, players running parallel with people, not putting in tackles. I think it was Lobby's debut. He had a nightmare. And I think we played Coyote at centre-back. You know, Haaland got three in the first 20 minutes. It was just horrible. So I remember at the end of that game thinking, you know, welcome to the Premier League, of course, but could we have set up differently? Could we have done something? That did? I can't remember a tackle we put in. So, so that game really rankled with me. And it, it was good to see us kind of get that out of our system. So, you know, the performance in the last few away games at Chelsea and at Palace, night and day, compared to what I saw that day. But it is Man City and every team gets stuff there. I just didn't like, like it to be us, to be honest, but... That's the lowest point for me, I think. What about you, Greg? Oh, yeah. I, I almost don't want to give them credit for this lowest point because their fans can be quite insufferable and they're one of the first uh, games I'm 
Ah, he's gone. He's always gone. Oh, we'll yeah. come back to him. Temps, take Leicester, over and we'll go back yeah, to the him. Leicester, Leicester fans have yanked his Wi-Fi. <laughs> Losing one nil at Wolves for me. Um, the 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 playtime tweet and you know the ensuing repost from the Wolves media team. Um, it wasn't a penalty, was it? I think that that was a, a debate we had at the time. It just felt really unjust. And I think that was the one of a handful of games this year when I, I thought we were the better side and lost. There's plenty of hidings we've had um, from better, more established teams. Man City's been mentioned, Arsenal away, obviously. But losing 1-0 at Wolves really galled me because I, I thought the performance on that day um, warranted far more. And it felt unjust. And we compounded that with a, you know, a rather daft tweet before a ball had been kicked. Yeah, I forgot that tweet. That was a low point. That was, yeah, lessons learned across the season for all of us, I think. He's back. That was good timing. 55 minutes. That's five minutes longer than normal. Can I continue my rant? Please do. Please I do. didn't want to give him like, the satisfaction, but it just hurt that much, that 95th minute loss to Brentford. And the way some of their fans were after, and you know, even in the pub calling Cooper a cheat, which I still do not get. It's from back when he was at Swansea or something. Uh, yeah, just dislikes that. I mean, I saw Forest fans crying after that defeat who just thought that was it to lose in the way we did after being such a comfortable position in like 81st, 82nd minute. It was crushing. It was one of them where you just, I didn't even, I think that's why it hurt so much because I didn't think it was coming. And when it did, and when you saw how the rest of the season may well go after that, it was just, it was crushing. And I think a lot of fans would have been forgiven for walking out the stadium thinking that was our chance we needed to stay up. So, uh, not one I want to uh, relive, but one I'm looking forward to uh, getting one back on them next year, maybe twice. Um, yeah, just looking through the comments, I don't think anyone said mine, but uh, West Ham away, he's got a shout, Bournemouth at home uh, and Fulham at home, that kind of back-to-back one, uh, a few people saying that. Um, I thought Leeds away was probably my low point. The way we played after going in front, that 70 minutes was just pretty pathetic, I thought, the, the performance on that night. And that was where I most thought we were going down, probably. I thought that even, I think that was around the time Cooper got the dreaded vote of confidence that wasn't really a vote of confidence, but they stuck with him in the end. So, yeah, I think that was that was a grim performance. Um, oh, seeing a, a Bolly and McKenna going off at Fulham, that was a low point. That was when you, you think your number might be up as, as well. So, yeah, it's, there was certainly plenty of lows in amongst the highs, but I guess that makes the highs sweeter of, uh, of staying up. I'll give a shout out to the guy who did that video as well, the My Way video. On yeah, Twitter, very mixed good. in with Waka Waka. Is it Henry or something? I should have noted that down. Sorry, but um, yeah, just reward for some hard work on his part as well, because that was really good. Um, on another low note, I don't know if you're remembering these. I've got one of these as my answers. So worst prediction that any of us made. In well, not don't dig out other people. I'm thinking of yourself, really. But is there something you said that sticks with you? that turned out to be rubbish, because I've got one. But has anyone noted anything down for this? Well, I mean, well, obviously. This, this well, is the Greg said, Mitchell yeah. Award, isn't it? This has got to be the Greg Mitchell Award, this one. Take it away. <laughs> well, I'm like, the only, let's just, can we talk about last season's predictions? Uh, I may have said that we might, well, get some European football this year. You know, uh, I was on the, the wave of, I think we'd just beat Liverpool. But, uh, yeah, it was a bad prediction, but who knows next season. I've also got a good one for if we have that. Uh, what was your good one then? 
well, I never once said we'd go down. And I stuck with it, even on the overlap, even when every single person out there who didn't follow Forrest was saying we were going down. I just never truly believed it. So I'll, I'll take that win all the way to next season. I remember my worst dream. I remember saying on an episode that Prots was on that there's no way we'll get relegated with a midfield of uh, Shelby, Froiler and Yates after Shelby had played one game and looked really good. <laughs> and Prots nodded along, so he can't get out of it either. But yeah, actually, Shelby was the worst signing we made, really, worse than uh, worse than Lingard. Interesting what his future is. And we'll probably. Yeah, I think um, we've done well to get an hour into this without mentioning Shelby's lack of quality or mentioning Taiwo in any of those awards for his for his impact. Really, so I think there's there's two lads at opposite ends of the the spectrum, right? For effort this this year, you've got one who um, was you know lackluster and eventually um, dropped and you know had all, had all manner of uh, manner of issues. Now looks to be on his way out, and Taiwo, who's been. Um, one of the reasons why we, we picked up those results back in the season and become such a uh, a presence in the side. So, yeah, I just wanted to make an honourable mention to, to, to those two at this stage. Well, I did forget most improved, and we'll come on to that. Mike, is there any prediction or any comment that you made that was a real dud already? Yeah, just a couple. I, I, um, I said... Uh, I said, I said, as long as we're not in the bottom three with 10 games to go, we'll be all right. So I was, I was way off. We were literally you know, struggling until you know second to last game of the season. I thought we'd be all right by March, but we weren't. Um, I did say we'd beat Arsenal 1-0, though. But like um, I was told today, you know, broken clock is right twice a day, isn't it? So you just keep doing those predictions. You're bound to get one right. But um, no, not, not the greatest season for me in terms of predictions, I don't think. Dan says the lowest point of the season was Bolly not getting the appreciation he deserves on this podcast. I mean, we've said repeatedly that Forrest's <laughs> best defensive run was Bolly and Warrell together. So, uh, yeah, sure I'm pro Bolly. Yeah, well, I think we I mean, I, I thought Bolly would be a bad signing, but I'm happy to eat my words. I think he's been an excellent addition. His problem is he can't stay fit, which is what my Wolves friend said was his issue. And that's why he's not really probably going to be a regular next season unless he can get in ahead of one of the, the three that have done so well. Um, most improved player, then. I assume Temps is going to say Tyway based on what he said there. Um, well, would you say no, it's more different? Well, I've, I've got I've got three written down different reasons. Look, Brennan has gone from being a League One game breaker to a Championship game breaker to a Premier League game breaker in in three seasons. He's put on eight nine kilos of muscle since the start of the year. There's been a bit of a physical transformation. Um, taking place there. If you look, look at his look at his body shape on those preseason photos and watch some at the back end, his conditioning has, has has really come on. And that was one of the things that propelled Genus from a um, you know a decent player to a to a standout player and, a, and an England international. And I think that um, Brennan will continue to, to to improve as a result of that. Danilo, for different reasons, came in, looked shaky. Question mark was then and at their end of the season as a worldie. And Lottie started the season, you know, a little bit shaky. Can he hack it in uh, the, the change of system, which we were flicking between uh, from, from week to week and then ended the season as a player that we're all keen to keep and hope we can find a way to. So um, they're, the, they're the three on my shortlist. But yeah, the, 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 the fourth and probably most popular vote would be Taiwo from where he was to where he is. Still looks ungainly at times, but in the results business, he affects games. Does the hardest job on the pitch. Bags goals when they 
when when he needs to and some of his some of his finishing and the instinctiveness of it at the back end um suggests there's far more improvement to come from him as well um what would you say um greg about that any any other names for you yeah i'm glad i haven't figured out how to find the comments on this you know because i'm sure uh, <laughs> i'd get some stick but for me it's the captain it's the way joe worrell uh, not only got dropped for long periods of times, and you know sometimes probably deservedly just where we were at the time and how we were playing, but the way each time he came back he performed, and especially at the end of the season, some of the most critical tackles he's ever made as a Forest player, uh, even playing right wing back for a game, is so adaptable. Keeping that squad of, I was going to say misfits, it's not misfits at all, squad of players who don't know each other. For the club captain at his age, never playing in the Premier League before, to be able to do that. And it is still it is still an important role. People say it's just the armband and that's it. It's not, especially in a team like Forrest. So the way he just delivered at the end of the season for me, and the fact that I've mentioned quite a few players already, he, he certainly deserves to be on my honours board anyway so it's, it's Joe Worrell for me yeah I mean I think him or Tyro would be mine obviously by giving him the awards you, you know we reckon I'm recognizing that he didn't start well and he deserved mm. criticism and so much was made of the criticism and what we said on here especially Fletch and I think my issue with the criticism is players deserve criticism and Joe deserved criticism but I think if you wear the shirt in the way he does in terms of pride I think that commands a certain amount of respect in the criticism that's given to a player. And some of it went overboard for me. And the, the way you go about talking about a player's performance can be measured and still be critical. And Joe had some poor games. Spurs away, he springs to mind in a few early on. But I think he proved himself over the course of the season. And I said a while ago, he should model himself on like, I think I might say Conor Cody, ironically, but Tyro Mings from to mind as a player who can go from the championship and eventually get, you know, international recognition. And that looks a long way off for Joe and people laugh at that, which is fine. But I think he's proven himself that he can cut it in the Premier League. And I hope like Ryan Yates keeps kicking on another gear. And Yates he deserves a mention as well for the way he's gone about this season, certainly in his own adversity as well coming back and finishing the season really well. Um, Mikey, have we all stolen your thunder there? Sorry, is there any other names or more to say? I have three and, and you've just spoke about two. So Joe Worrell, Greg summed it up brilliantly. Can't add to that. Spot on, Greg. I think what you were saying about um, Ryan Yates, Matt, you know, this is a lad that has worked his way up. He's been League Two on loan, League One on loan, Championship, one of the midfielders of the season and, and is now an established Premier League midfielder for me and, and almost the heartbeat of the team. So he's improved throughout the season, coming back from you know, a period out. He was integral in our running. So big shout out to T8s. But I'm going to give it Loddy. I think we've all read what he's put on social media and you know, the fact changing countries and leaving his little baby behind you know, with his, with his um, other half. Um, his, I think his debut was at Man City in the game I mentioned earlier and he frightened me to death. And I wondered what we'd signed. And then I, I watched him closely for the next couple of games and every cross he put into the box went high or wide. And I thought, what have we done here? Um, but as the season went on, he improved immeasurably, settled down, you know, became accustomed to his surroundings and it showed with his performances on the pitch. And I just thought, if you look at his first couple of games and compare him to the way he ended the season, it's like night and day. So I'm going to go for Lodi. 
Yeah, interesting about Lodi is when Tim Vickery was on here, he basically said he was a wing-back who couldn't defend and he showed what a good defender he is. And I think we saw, you know, you don't play for Brazil and Atletico Madrid without being a good player. I think it, you know, he, it took him time to adapt, but he certainly did it. And he, he'll be very fondly remembered no matter what, what happens, even if he doesn't come back. So, yeah, fair play to him. Um, I think that covers all the ground I wanted to cover. Once again, thanks for all the support for the live show. Well, if people missed it at the start, you know, selling out brilliant, selling out twice is even better. So uh, thanks for that. Any other business, Greg, before we go? Yes. Oh, my God. Two bits. That's right, I haven't got any. Props. Props. Blow up doll from Palace, have you? Uh, I just want to talk about Martin Hibbert again, who has cycled to every single away game, and I just don't think he gets the credit that he. It doesn't seem to be as as big on social media as he said. He's still fundraising now for Maggie's and another cancer. Sorry, sorry, but um, he's just been superb every single game. Rain, shine. So go and find him on Twitter and. Obviously, if you can't donate any money, then just you know, <laughs> wish you well and thank you because he's done unbelievable work. And also, a little bit closer to home with uh, our glorious banners releasing his second book that he definitely said he wasn't going to do. Uh, the reason that we managed that Forza managed to do so many displays last season was because Simon donated half the funds to Forza, basically, uh, and the other half was to a charity close to his heart. This year, the book is definitely not doing, which he's decided to do. Uh, the difficult second album, he's again said he's going to give Forza a chunk of money, which is going to help us massively if we decide to do some uh, displays next season. Uh, and he's also donating the rest, which is going to be thousands of pounds. He doesn't make a penny out of this book uh, to the PDSA, a charity really close to his heart. So, um, if you haven't bought it yet and you're in a position to be able to buy it, just go and find our glorious banners on all social media and uh, go and buy it because I've I've had a sneak peek and I, it's even better than last season's. Yeah, Simon's going to be on here in a couple of weeks. Um, I think it was Greg's suggestion that he comes on. So, uh, yeah, he'll be on uh, two weeks' time probably, talking us through the book and some of the photos uh, again, just like last season. So, yeah, great cause and great book as well. Temps, anything you want to add? Echo um, Greg's um, shout about the charitable causes. Wildcard award for me. Businessman of the season has to go to Harry Arter. Anybody <laughs> that is so far from being a Premier League player that can negotiate an automatic two-year extension off the back of a promotion which he played no part in um, deserves a perverse round of applause for feathering his own um, nest, you know, as, as footballers are, are prone to do. That is an unbelievable negotiation. We're presuming it was a two-year extension. He's still on the retain list for this year. We're not going to see him on there for a third year, are we? I just think <laughs> it's absolutely extraordinary. In amongst that, he's had a period on loan at a non-league football club. Um, he'll be on under the cosh in five, six years' time laughing about this story and will still be crying about it. It's not necessarily his fault, but it's a, a set of circumstances that just hints at some of the madness that goes on in all football clubs, um, not just as I'll say it again, Harry Arter is still registered and paid by Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was a one-year or two-year contract extension, because I'm not sure when his original was up, but 
Yeah, whoever's Harry Arter's agent is, and you know, he needs more clients, put it that way. Uh, Mikey, any other business for you? Yeah, just a couple of quick things. So the um, there is a charity game at Ilkeston Town on Sunday, one o'clock. It's free to get in. It's for uh, a men's mental health charity called Blokes. Um, I think Ryan Yates is the ambassador for it, or one of the ambassadors. So if you want a football fix, get yourself down there. It's going to be good weather. Uh, so that's one o'clock on Sunday. I think they're doing a raffle and, and everything uh, from uh, some stuff from the art of football afterwards. So you could win some stuff as well. So you're looking for something for you and the kids to do, get down there. And um, just lastly, just the live shows. So you touched on it, Matt. I, I think it's amazing that we've kind of sold out to two back to back. We did one in December when it was freezing cold to anybody that went. There's about 100 people there. It was great, but this one's going to be warm. It's going to be full. The panel's great. You know, Fletch, McGugan, Bertle. So I'm just really looking forward to that in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really good. Um, now we're putting on barbecue each night as well. I forgot to say that. So, you know, get your dinner there as well. Yeah. A great venue, and we're glad to be teaming up with them again. So, uh, yeah, I wonder how many more tickets we could have sold. But um, there might be some more that go on sale. That's the only thing I was going to say. There might be a few more that go on sale closer to the night. So if that does happen, then I'll um, put that out on Twitter and um, maybe put a notice on the YouTube channel or something. So if you haven't got one, uh, keep an eye out there might be a few more certainly before uh, the evening uh, on the 21st and the 22nd right i'm waffling as normal um thanks to everyone who's watched along commented as ever do like subscribe spread the word give us a good review tell your mates about it etc etc all the good comments are always very much appreciated uh greg thank you very much no cheers enjoyed it matt cheers yes enjoyed it very much as ever temps thank you cheers fellas Mikey, thank you very much. Cheers. The uh, Lindsay's away, the wife's away, so it would just be me watching TV. So I'm happy to do these in the evening. Anytime, Matt. <laughs> Good. There we'll probably go. do one this time next week, as I said, <laughs> breaking down the squad and the next batch of transfer rumours. So uh, do join us this time next week or maybe on uh, Monday night as normal is probably the plan or Monday during the daytime. So, yeah, thanks very much, everyone. Have a good week and we shall see you soon. <laughs>